Welcome to Episode Party, a podcast where we talk about some of our most favourite podcasts. I'm Freddie Harrison. I'm Jack Tutor. And this episode we are joined by a special guest, Mr. Daniel Duke. Hey Dan. Hi guys, it's a pleasure to be here. Ah, thanks so much. So as ever, we've all bought an episode recommendation from one of our favourite podcasts to the table. And uh, this week, in case you haven't noticed, Jack and I always alternate on the first recommendation of the show. Uh, It's Jack's turn. So Jack, take it away. Uh, What have you recommended for us this episode? So what I've recommended this time is WTF with Mark Maron, who I feel like has come up occasionally on this podcast we kind of mentioned him here and there but Mm. never actually addressed him head on so that's what i wanted to do today uh i love this podcast it's basically like a long-form interview podcast hosted by american comedian mark maram who uh, amongst all of those long-form interview podcasts finds a way to establish his own way of doing it and that's basically by being this really glum self-obsessed, socially uncomfortable, insecure comedian who sort of brings a bit of that as well to his interview process. He's like an incredibly (laughs) sort of abrasive, (laughs) difficult kind of guy. And and while it's almost like you're listening to someone who's trying to be more sociable as he's interviewing these people, but basically he speaks to loads of people in the realms of entertainment, mainly, but also politics. He's interviewed Barack Obama, but like loads of high-profile people. So Robin Williams, Tom York... Kristen Wiig, Joanna Newsom, just a ton of ton of great people, and it's just like they they tend to be the most intimate interviews that I listen to. And you get some podcasters who do these long form things, and they go on for like three hours. Mark Maron generally goes for like a I don't know an hour and a half or something like that. But they are so much more penetrative in a small space of time. And I think he has this very yeah. direct manner of questioning where. He asks incredibly obvious questions that I think some people might try and dance around because they're embarrassed about it. He just goes straight for the jugular in in terms of like, so where'd you grow up? What did you do? When did you get into this? Blah, 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 blah. But he does it in a way which feels almost naive. And uh, just... Right. uh, So so I found this article earlier today which had this amazing description of why Maron is is awesome. It was in The Atlantic. I'm just going to read it right. And they say, The secret of WTF is that Maron is a recovering monologuist, a hectoring, aggressive comedian, and one-way verbaliser who has turned himself through humiliation and self-examination into a rather exquisite instrument of reception. I mean, that's... That's exquisite in itself, isn't it? But I like I read that right. and I was like, that's why I love this podcast. So uh, basically, I, I recommended two episodes, one of which was with German film director Werner Herzog, um, who is this mm-hmm. really cerebral, like slow speaking, very philosophical old man. And then Lord, who's not any of that (laughs) (laughs) she's an australian pop star in her early 20s and yet mark holds a conversation with both of them with equal amounts of wit 
and joviality uh, and also severity when needs be um, doesn't seem to change his mannerism so much but somehow he holds a conversation with both of these people and that is what I love about him like anyone can step into his garage so it's all all recorded in his garage which is just a garage it's not like it's a fancy name like oh the garage it's like no 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 it's like there's loads of stuff over the walls it's really messy it's it looks basically like i how i imagine his mind to be but they come in there right. and i imagine the setting probably helps it seems very intimate and then you know they're greeted by mark this guy who's you know basically trying to place some kind of emphasis on anyone but himself uh, and a yeah. wonderful conversation ensues so 10 out of 10 i know we don't do scores if we did it'll be that one freddie what do you reckon <laughs> um yeah it, this is this is an entirely new podcast on me um i'd not heard yeah. it and i'd not heard of it which is i don't want to sound like arrogant but somewhat unusual now i listen to a lot of podcasts these days but it was an entirely new one on me and i kind of like you know once you told me a little bit about it i kind of knew the format and this is kind of a genre isn't it where comedians seem to set up long form interview podcasts yes um, which are a brilliant way of self-promotion but that you know comedians in some ways are the best people to do these kind of shows because as a comedian you cover a lot of subject matter in your own work um and a, and a kind of a wide variety of subject matter you know uh, and i think that that really helps but also you kind of know how to keep a conversation going you know you've probably done some kind of improv at some point in your career and i think that's good training for doing a, a long-form interview especially with someone a bit like Werner herzog who isn't the most talkative of guests what shall we say? <laughs> um, you know, he, it, what he says is profound, but it's minimal, I guess, is a good way of describing it. And yeah. quite often he will disagree in a way that I guess uh, maybe sounds more awkward than it is. You know, that, that, that was the impression I got from that episode. Yeah. Um, and I have to be honest and say that the Werner Herzog episode in particular didn't do a great deal for me because I don't know a lot. Werner Herzog, which is probably terrible blasphemy, but I don't I don't know a lot about him, and I, I, so I didn't immediately kind of it didn't immediately resonate with me personally. But that being said, I enjoyed uh, what you picked out about this in in our um, in our kind of show notes recommendation document that we shared beforehand, which is that he has this kind of like you know this way that uh, you know his his interview style is so direct and uh, you know like you i think you said it was boisterous um and yeah. he has this kind of way of uh, making them reflect on th- things by kind of throwing assumptions at them and making them accept or reject them and it's like everything you're taught not to do when you're interviewing someone but it is really really good it's almost like a lot it, it's almost like the only time you ever see that kind of interviewing style done is when you used to watch Jeremy Paxman on Newsnight and he'd just rip politicians, a new one, like, and, and, and that's his style. And it's like, it's weird to see this interviewing technique used in a way that's like non-combative. Like it's not, it's not about picking a fight with someone or trying to get them to admit to something they're guilty of or trying to induce this huge revelation that's going to be very controversial. This is about just finding out about someone in their life. And you can obviously tell that Marin has a real respect 
respect for Werner Herzog and, and Lord, which I'll get onto in a second. But that style is so kind of antithetical to like having respect for your interviewee in some ways. Um, but totally. he does find many ways to kind of align himself with them, and I, I, you know, I think again that comes from being a comedian. So yeah, Werner Herzog, the, that interview didn't do a great deal for me. Um, but I, I was listening to the Lord one this morning, and my gosh, that one like I, I devoured it. It was amazing. Yeah, um, Lord, Lords, Lords from New Zealand, by the way, not Australia. Oh no! Um, All right, but they they had a whole conversation about their her accent at the beginning, and they he mentioned Australia, which I think is what gave you that impression um <laughs> i'm just a big i'm a big lord fan like i think it's it's ridiculous she's she's very young and like ridiculously young to the point where you make you you know makes you question your life choices and how you haven't got as far as her um, um but i i really i really really loved that interview and obviously she was really game for it um, mm. And I just loved how quickly they found these kind of points of common ground when they were talking about things like Fleetwood Mac and um, uh, when they got into like Paul Simon later on and stuff like that. And a lot of them were kind of musical reference points, kind of, you know, as you'd expect. But I did love the way that they they both either it was pure coincidence that they both had very similar musical interests um and i think there was one point where lord starts talking about phil collins and maron says he's not a big fan and like so it it is it it does sound to be coincidental but i think there's also some skill on behalf of maron there to be able to have like a a very good recall of you know popular music and and be able to talk about it as fluently as someone who is a professional musician and songwriter um and i think it's amazing i i i really loved that interview and i i I found it a lot more engaging just because i found the subject matter perhaps more engaging and uh, when we get to my recommendation that might have you might see what that is but um yeah i really really enjoyed it dan we've kept you quiet for far too long um (laughs) what do what do you think um yeah so much like Freddie, really, I was coming to this totally fresh. I'd never heard of WTF with Mark Maron before. Um, and uh, Jack's description uh, in the little notes that I got sent over made it super exciting. And again, Jack's description, it, just at the beginning of the podcast there, made me think, gosh, this is this is a podcast I want to listen to. But I sat down to listen to this episode of it, and I could not, just like you, Fred, I could not get into this Werner Herzog interview. It was so, so, like, opaque and so difficult. And, like, I think... Jack Jack had described uh, uh, Maron himself as difficult and abrasive at the start, and that is everything that I felt when I was listening to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually... At the beginning, I thought his kind of stream of consciousness style of presenting was really exciting and really engaging and very different to a lot of the stuff that I listen to. Uh, and, and again, you'll see that whenever we come to my podcast recommendation later on. But um, he, he he grabbed me right at the very beginning and he told some weird anecdote about going to like fight his girlfriend's neighbor and all this weird <laughs> stuff. And, it was, and I was loving it. I just loved it. And then he did a really, really wonderful, raw, insightful interview with uh, the comedian Godfrey just at the top of his of this yes. podcast mm. and I loved that and I thought that was amazing um, and I think they should have just cut the other half off and just done whatever they wanted to do no. with it but uh, to <laughs> me, I just I got so like I don't know this is one of those I think for me um particularly I find this podcast quite long uh, and I listen to a lot of podcasts but I tend to only listen to ones that are maybe under an hour um, and an hour and 40 is a lot of listening and I was also listening to it probably in the worst podcast medium ever on YouTube so I think within the hour <laughs> and 40 minutes I listened to 16 adverts um, oh, which was you awful. didn't stand a chance uh, yeah, yeah exactly it was dreadful so I think that was that was definitely a mistake from my perspective and yeah I think for, like like you were saying Freddie I'm 
not totally familiar with uh, Werner Herzog's work, um, and although it was fascinating finding out some of the documentaries he'd made and some of the feature films he made, I, I just couldn't get into the uh, conversation style of it, and I did feel like you know they were that was about as clashy as two human beings kind of conversational style could get, uh, right. and it was you know it was all Maron being loud and abrasive and asking him these questions that you know were trying to get him to really dig deep and 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 give these really intense answers, and although Werner Herzog seems like a pretty intense guy, it was you know he was giving him like 10 words and then he was just that was it he was just ending off you know and, yeah. it, and it, i think it was yeah i don't know i didn't i just it didn't grab me but interestingly i thought that the conversation he had with godfrey at the start was awesome and i would listen to that you know i'd listen to those guys talk forever i just thought it was really interesting <laughs> in the way that yeah. they're clearly friends and it was it showed in the in the podcast and it was really interesting to listen to them talk but it was really honest too and they were talking about their lives and uh making money and all the things that they were doing and and going on tour and it, which it just seemed really interesting um i i did i listened to um not all of it, but I listened to a good chunk of the Lord uh, podcast, and I enjoyed it so much more. And I think uh, Jack, you recommended a really good podcast, but I think you totally uh, you caught me off guard with the with the <laughs> episode recommendation. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely not. I think it was really crucial that I heard one that I wasn't sure about, but I got into Marilyn even you know at that. I think that says a lot about how good a podcaster he is and how good a broadcaster he is. Mm. Um, and I think Freddie, you totally nailed it with his, you know, that the thing about lots of comedians making these long form interview podcasts you know alec baldwin has one you know all these people are doing this very similar style but i haven't haven't heard one yet like you know like wtf and uh no i i I enjoyed it and i enjoyed it enough to subscribe and to you know to go and listen to some other episodes when i get a chance um so i think it was it was cool but uh i just i just it was maybe it was the Werner herzog thing and maybe if i'd been a fan i totally could have got behind it um but i loved yeah i loved all the weird anecdotes and the like his his whole character on on radio is is uh is really cool and really enjoyable but uh, I just couldn't. I couldn't get into this episode. Yeah, I also yeah. love the 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 bit at the end where he just plays a bit of his guitar for you. Yeah, <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, and like at the end of the Lord one, he like tells you that he's plugging in his Gibson and he's just going to do. He's not going to do anything too fancy. Just some just some real riffs, and it's just so funny. I, and I think it's like I think that's like when you were talking Jack about him recording in his garage, and it's like he's so unapologetic about that. And you you know, and he, you mentioned about the Atlantic art where you know he's a he's a recovering monologuist and i think that is a sign of potential relapse where at the end of the podcast he just makes it all about him again by being like and now yeah. let me sit you down and uh, play a little bit of my guitar yeah um, it's just it's just brilliant i just I, I did i did like i loved it in a way that if someone had done that to me in real life and had just been like please sit here in silence for the next 30 seconds while i play you a riff on my guitar i'd probably be a bit annoyed yeah um, can't believe we lived I, together for three two years <laughs> i was gonna say something similar jack to be honest, but uh, <laughs> yeah this may have been freddie's life for a good a good, a good five last five years i'd say <laughs> God. um yeah that wasn't a dig at either of you by the way i mean for a start jack if you you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be playing me 30 seconds would you it's like 30 yeah, minutes it's one um, long drone for you that's that's yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's yeah. one note for a while yeah. um but yeah, no, um, yeah, I, I did love that little bit, and I, I totally forgot about the uh, the Godfrey part as well, which uh, I did think was yeah. was great. Yeah, um, I, I I totally I feel like I sh- 
should have chosen a different one in a way. Oh, the reason <laughs> I love the Werner Herzog one was because I I know Werner Herzog is, and I find him he is so intense. And what I love mm. is that um, I think also having known Marin as well. Now I've listened to a few, quite a few of his podcasts. By the time that I got to the Herzog one, it's just the delight that Marin takes in Herzog, and it's like nothing I've ever heard. I mean, usually Herzog paralyzes the conversation, and he probably mm-hmm. does a pretty good job of it here as well, as you say. Like <laughs> he offers like these ten-word, very strange kind of responses that Marin then has to use to sort of produce another question, and it's like. <laughs> It's a real strain, but at the same time, I just, I love hearing Marin sweating it out. And it's interesting, actually, that you said, Freddie, that it's this almost like a Paxman-style interrogation, but used in a non-combative way. And I think that there is an undercurrent of combat there. Like, Marin has sort of has this um, persona which is dogged by failure and dogged by what he didn't become. And I think that also makes it perfect that he's still working out of his garage. Like, he's not quite left... (laughs) Uh, home yet and he's not you know in the big time but there is a certain undercurrent of when he's asking these questions he's like how the fuck have you made it and I haven't and it's almost like he's inviting (laughs) these people on to just sort of like dissect them but then use it to reflect on his own experience you know it's almost like afterwards he's compiling this stuff of like well I did nine tenths of that and I'm still stuck in my fucking garage there's just like (laughs) I think that's very slight subtext that I get from that which I think is part fictional persona yeah but um, yeah, just also partly wonderful. <laughs> I just love it. I'm just great. I'm glad no one's detected that. That that's exactly what I do with some of our guests as well. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They were they were all great, and I'm not at all jealous. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> that's where we put it. Yeah, brilliant. I quite like it if you just do it, Jack. It's great. Dan, tell us about your podcast recommendation. So the podcast I uh, chose to recommend to you guys uh, is a classic. It's an oldie, and probably the majority of your listeners will uh, already have listened to this podcast and, and hopefully be madly in love with this podcast like I am. This is my gateway podcast. This was the one that introduced me to the world of podcasts and the one that you know started my addiction uh, to the medium. It's just, it's just magic, and uh, the podcast I chose is Radio Lab, and you know people might be groaning, thinking, of course it's Radio Lab. We've all heard Radio Lab, but for me it was like this. It opened this door into a whole world of, of broadcasting that I'd never really heard before and never understood before. And in fact, it was probably my first real experience with, um, with even American um, style radio production. Um, and then on top of that, obviously Radio Lab is just so wonderfully produced. Um, it's a podcast uh, created by an incredible incredible um, sound designer called Jad Abenrad and a really super seasoned science broadcaster called Robert Krowich and uh, they put together these incredible stories and the podcast has been running for years and years and it's evolved interestingly over time which I'm sure we can talk about in a little minute but it, it it's just so well put together the stories are so well chosen and so well edited and so well researched everything about it just makes me happy you know it's it's just one of those things that I just when I get to sit down uh, you know with a cup of tea and I just get to listen to an episode of Radio Lab it, those are my some of my favorite moments um, and some of the older episodes are 
are some of my favourites um, from the, the entire series and uh, the one I chose to talk about today um, is the episode on colours um, and it's quite old now and uh, they've, they've kind of changed their style a little bit since then um, but the colours episode is this incredible exploration of something that I suppose normally we would never think about something that seems so mundane um, and so you know part of our everyday life and they tell through these incredible stories just kind of uh, the history of discovering colour um, the history of studying colour and uh, you find out all sorts of really interesting tidbits about colour and nature and the, the different colours that each creature and animal and people can see and that sort of thing um, and it is just incredibly told. Uh, some of my favourite parts of this episode in particular are the sound design, the way, I don't know if either of you guys really um, will, will have noticed how brilliant this was but it, they used a choir um, to convey the colour spectrum so they're trying to explain that humans uh, have three cones in their eye and that's how they see colour and then they explain, they go on to say that a sparrow has a certain number and a butterfly has a certain number and then they go finish it off with the mantis shrimp who has more cones in its eye than any other creature on the earth and it can see because of that a huge spectrum of color but the way that they convey this is with a choir a full voice choir and uh, they have them sing the colors that each uh, creature can see and they lay that layer that over the top of each other so they picked a really interesting topic for uh, a non-visual medium so they're trying to talk about color on the radio and they came up with the most ingenious way uh, to you know to describe that to the listener through using these these voices in this choir and you just you, it absolutely clicks you know and the way that they layer these these over the top of each other you, you can hear the color spectrum um, and I think just stuff like that in this podcast is, is amazing and almost every episode features some kind of genius um, audio device um, that they use to to kind of tell the story and to me it is just it's absolutely probably the greatest podcast I, I've ever listened to and uh, I still listen to it now but on top of that it introduced me to the whole world of podcasts and then I discovered all the other wonderful things that I listen to now um, so I kind of it, it's got a real uh, soft spot for me you know it's, a, it's a, got a good place in my heart Radio Lab but uh, you know I, I really want to know what you guys think of it and what's particularly what we thought of this episode Freddie Jack oh how are you fine. doing <laughs> <laughs> it was so polite Okay, I'll go. Fine, whatever. If you must, if I must. Um, yeah, Radio Lab. Um, thanks. Thank you, Dan, for finally recommending uh, one of the kind of small list of podcasts that I think we had a discussion about this before, which is that like Radio Lab falls on that spectrum of podcasts, which you know, in the context of a podcast recommendation podcast, would be considered perhaps obvious, but. I don't think that's no bad thing because I think at some point we have to work our way through these because there's a reason why they are obvious. Um, and Radiolab is definitely one of them. And I think we've certainly, Jack, talked in the past and made reference to uh, Radiolab-esque production um, and Radiolab-esque editorial arrangement. And I think yeah. it's it's fair to say that there are podcasts that we've recommended before, but also hosts that we've had on the show who um, have been heavily influenced by the Radiolab style. Totally. And there, and there certainly is a style. I think it's for good reason. It's, it's an incredibly well-produced podcast. It's, it's unbelievably well-produced. And uh, I think, um, I know this was one of the first podcasts I listened to. I don't think it was the first, but I, I know it was among the first. And I think it was one of the first ones that showed me just how good production could be because I think before that my podcasting kind of background was listening to uh, more rambly talking shows much like this one um, 
and uh, but no, it, it it's just so impressive. I think sometimes I get a little bit overwhelmed by how much goes on in the space of seconds within these podcasts. Like, yeah, the the, the edits are so tight, and there's so much stuff layered within them that it's just almost too much. But it it, it kind of sits on that borderline, and I quite like that. I quite like that it 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 goes about as far as it can go in terms of layering up sounds and 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 you know tightening up edits um and i really love the way that and i think they jad abenrod does it better than absolutely anyone which is this this idea of you know having in the same way that you do in kind of newspapers and stuff like that where the editorial voice seamlessly flows into the interviewee voice mm. so you start mm-hmm. the statement that the interviewee is making as the presenter and then the interviewee completes your sentence um which of course is the opposite way around but that's the trick and that's what makes it so good um and then you combine that with the fact that this podcast covers incredibly interesting material in a kind of material ridiculous and and often novel way at the same time i think you know dan you're so right to mention the the choir and the way that they use the choir in this which is a perfect example of how you can you know bring something that's heavily visual into um an audible story I love Radiolab. I, I think it's great. I, I have to admit, I went through a stage where, you know, because they're so consistent with their style and their subject matter, because, you know, it's, although it's a very popular podcast, it, it covers a very specific thing. I, I have to admit that after a while, I, I kind of like stopped listening to it. But and every now and then I'll kind of pick it up for another couple of months and then I'll, I'll dip out and find something new that I like or just realize that actually I want to listen to a long rambly conversation rather than something that's heavily edited. Um but it I, it was actually a real welcome kind of reminder that Radiolab exists, this recommendation, Dan. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am really enjoying it. Jack, what, what, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I echo pretty much all of the sentiments that have been said so far. No, there's more. So um, (laughs) it's the Hollywood studio of podcasts, isn't it, really? It's like if Michael Bay made a podcast, it would be... It's just, like, so, like, whizzy and... Why did I pick Michael Bay? I was going to say, that seems offensive. Fucking hell, sorry. Um, It's like if a really good Hollywood director made... Spielberg made podcasts. It's, like, loads of sound effects, but beautifully embedded. It's just, like, exquisitely produced. The storytelling is just, like, so nicely done and so well paced it's almost musical the way the tension escalates and that it dissipates and like I just think it's amazing because also as well like I think the podcast says that its central thrust is to deal with subjects on like science and philosophy or something and uh, they are you know notoriously difficult subjects to present in a way that's going to hold people's attention but it's almost like a byproduct of Radiolab doing great storytelling that they just so happen to fall into those catchments. So I really enjoyed this episode. I thought, I'm so glad you picked it, although it was one that neither Freddie nor I could find in our podcast feeds. So <laughs> explain yourself. <laughs> it's old, it's old. Uh, uh, I, fi- I find it in my podcast feed. I really? have favoured it now, however, but uh, I found it in the Casts app. But oh, I did link what? you to the actual website, so I do feel like, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, it was there. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very old episode now. That It is years old. And actually, interesting, one of the reasons that I chose Radio Lab to talk to about with you guys um, is so that I could kind of bring up a topic that I think is really... Uh, it, it's 
it's something that I think about a lot with with podcasts, and uh, I think it's like a hot topic at the minute. And it's mm. that of late, and in, you know, probably in the last two or so years, um, Radio Labs changed a lot. Um, certainly compared to, to episodes like Colors or uh, another episode that I considered suggesting was Words, um, which is is almost identical in terms of um, editorial structure to this episode. It's sort of uh, four or so stories split up beautifully, but telling a, telling a really interesting story arc over all those stories, and you know, giving you all that science education. Uh, in between, but uh, uh, more recently, uh, Radio Lab has started tackling political subjects, and they've started to tackle more human-based um, stories. And although all the science stories very often had a human element, it was it was obvious that they were pushing the kind of science aspect of it and the educational aspect of it, and treating it like it was a kind of, you know, it was a an educational show. And it's one of the reasons I love it. And I'm I'm a science enthusiast who was never really good at science at school, but I just I have such a fascination for that world. So that's why I love. Radio Lab because it makes that accessible to me in a way that academic science never did. Um, but you know, for me, actually, and it's interesting that you said, Freddie, that you you don't listen to it as much anymore. Um, I have gone off Radio Lab um, to a certain degree uh, in in the last year or so, and um, because the stories that they're telling are not exactly like the stories they used to tell and i think i'm holding them to a crazy high standard there to you know to basically expect any broadcaster on any medium uh, to continue doing exactly the same thing they were doing before yeah. is mm-hmm. you know is, is just as big a crime as expecting any music you know musician or artist um to continue making the same style of music as they did you know on the last album as they are going to in the next five albums um, right. so i think it's it's definitely uh, my own fault that I, that i'm going off it and i don't blame them but it's it's one of those interesting things that i've noticed happening with quite a few podcasts that I listen to um, 99% Invisible has had the same thing happen over the last yes. couple of years and yeah. uh, there's there's all sorts of podcasts that are they became big and they became household names and they grew these huge fan bases and then they changed their editorial structure slightly or they you know they started investigating stories they wouldn't normally cover and and you can see the backlash on forums and um, comment threads and stuff like that and I think that's a really interesting it's you know the reason I picked this podcast really was so that I could kind of bring up that topic and see what you guys if you had any uh, uh, input on it. I mean, I, I've definitely, I think I've definitely spoken to you, Dan, in the past about uh, um, 99% Invisible being like this, um, mm-hmm. which is which is a podcast that I was uh, probably one of the first podcasts I ever listened to, maybe even before Radiolab. And I think that the kind of the staff of 99% Invisible has involved, you know, the episodes I started listening to, which I really got into, were the ones where like Roman Mars was still kind of doing it in his like wardrobe, um, you know, recording in his wardrobe or even just <laughs> Recording that little outhouse in his outside his outside his house, and then all, all of a sudden he's got a team of people who are contributing, and um, and I think you know that they kind of almost stretched their ambition to a point where it kind of lost the kind of the nicheness of the original stories. I don't know what the focus of them, yeah. I guess is a good way of putting mm-hmm. it. Absolutely, um, and uh, yeah, and I, I, I know I I've definitely been guilty of complaining. That. I'd also argue, even though this is a much more recent podcast, that um, Startup has also done something very similar especially in the kind of like recent seasons where it started off obviously there was no legs in continuing to talk about Gimlet forever and ever Absolutely. and ever and yeah. they do make a concerted effort to go back to Gimlet and I've loved the Q&A um, episodes they've done with Alex Bloomberg where they've gone through questions that readers have submitted about Gimlet's progress and they've done those one-off set um, one-off episodes where um, Alex went and saw the executive coach and that was brilliant it was a fantastic episode and you know that those episodes are, are, are super interesting and I, and I I totally understand when they say that they can't necessarily cover 
Gimlet in the same way anymore because they're a company with huge responsibility to a, a bunch of staff now and potentially that could cause problems and obviously you know as the staff gets bigger not everyone wants to be constantly you know recorded all the time and I think they do even make reference to that at some points so that they you know becomes a certain level of paranoia where you know you're like is this on tape is this not on tape mm-hmm. um, but I, I do I, you know as a result they've kind of kept start going but they've changed its tack quite a lot and there's been some good seasons after I'd say the season with the uh, the uh, the founder of American Apparel, his name escapes me right now, Dove is Cheney. a really good season. Yeah, Dove Cheney is, is a really good season, incredible. But latter seasons and stuff have, have kind of not hit the mark in the same way, I guess. But I think my overall view on it is like, and I feel like you did ask me, so I'll tell you, um, is that <laughs> it's like if you don't. If you don't like it, like, just find a new podcast. And I guess that's why (laughs) I wanted to start the show was because, you know, I started kind of looking beyond your radio labs and your 99% Invisibles and found this kind of wonderful world stuff. And I was speaking to Jack and he'd done something very similar and was probably leagues ahead of me and and in some ways still is. But and I think that's that's part of why Episode Party exists, because I think that you know podcasts do evolve over time and editorial strategy changes and i think it's uh and i think it's you know at that point you you might leave your long favorite podcast behind and find a few more new ones that perhaps uh are a bit more niche or have a completely different subject matter entirely but and you know like i said to you when i was talking about radio lab i think that it's always cool to keep them on your feed and go back to them and see how they've evolved and you know i know with 99% invisible every now and then i won't listen to every episode anymore like i used to but Every now and then, I'd say maybe every three or five episodes, there's just a real gem that I I love. And it's like, you know, revisiting an old friend. And I I like that. Jack, sorry. I've done a bit of a monologue there. I've done a bit of a um, Mark Maron there. Uh, Please step (laughs) in and step in and say something else, please. Uh, Well, I was just going to say, like, I I think it's that's a a really interesting point. The fact that they have uh, we've had a lot of podcasts change their editorial style. And I think the great irony is, is that um, I I think they have changed because of the greater amount of podcasts as well. And even though that is driving people to a different podcast, but it becomes difficult to do the same thing over and over again when there's then three or four pop podcasts every month that pop up and ape your style and suddenly you know the thing that you've got which makes you a forerunner is suddenly shared amongst loads more podcasts so i think there's a lot of reflection that goes on at these places and as to how they can remain you know in pole position in podcasts and and be the inventors and and be the people that are the innovators in podcasting and i think that sometimes works out well and sometimes it doesn't work out well at all but um i think it is really interesting to watch these podcasts because i think i I mean we're all people who've been listening to podcasts for you know quite a few years now and i think that we are at a stage where you know when a really well-loved podcast starts to change uh it's now becoming very very noticeable and um very much like a subversion of something that we are very intimately familiar with (laughs) and that's really interesting i mean to bring it back to radio lab i mean what i find really uh fascinating is um so I listened to one recently called The Driverless Dilemma because um, anything that comes up yeah. about self-driving cars I enjoy listening to. But they um, started by reprising an old story from 10 years ago. I mean, I thought this was really nicely done. They reprised the story which is based on a philosophical question, which is... Um, uh, I won't recount it all the here. The trolley question? 
The trolley question. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'll recount it quickly. So basically, it's like (laughs) (laughs) you have two scenarios, one in which there's five people on one side of a train track, and then there's a fork, and on the other side of the fork, there's one person. The train's going to head for the five people, and then you can push the lever, and it will go and, you know, kill the one person. And people presented with that um, thought puzzle say, yeah, do you know what? I would push the lever because only one person dies, not five. As soon as you bring in some kind of thing where they have to push someone onto the track so that they get hit instead of the five people, people feel uncomfortable even though the maths works out. So basically it's um, how on earth do we then imbue driverless cars with the ability to handle these moral dilemmas when it comes to something like driver safety or the safety of pedestrians or whatever. So they took an old story and then they um, mingled it with this very current pertinent issue and the way they threaded it together was really nice but also very transparent in the way that they said okay so we're going to play you an old episode Um, we use loads more sound effects than we do now and that's quite embarrassing (laughs) which it was because there was like every two (laughs) seconds there was a voice they were like okay so imagine you've got this person hello and then they get hit by a train (laughs) oh no and they're like you know if you listen on headphones you know I think I'd just throw up because there's like every Everything spiraling around your head. But one thing I found really interesting is the fact that they still have the same host dynamic, which they always have, which is one of them knows what they're talking about, the other one doesn't. So one of them tells a story, and the other one makes him stop and slow down and clarify exactly what he said. And that is, like, such a well-worn thing, and I think for good reason, because it does put one of the hosts in the position of you or I, you know, someone who's still uncovering this stuff as it's being told. And what I find doubly interesting as well is actually, I think on the Colours episode, they made reference to producer Tim Howard, who I now know works on Reply All, who also do that thing where one host knows and one doesn't. So Ah. it's something that I feel that, you know, again, it's something that's been aped in another podcast, which has gone on to become incredibly popular. And I do wonder why that's why Radiolab has started to reflect upon the way it's doing things. Um, Although then again, now I'm saying it, probably not because they still do that. Wait, wait, hold on. What did you say? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I think they have kept that format so similar. But I think for me, it's the stories and the content that has changed slightly in a way that I'm not, you know, I don't I don't love as much. But yeah, I think you've you've made some really good. Both of you made some really good points there about why they changed and how they've changed. But I think Jack's really nailed it there. They they do that relatively often these days where they go, we're just going to listen to some tapes we made about 10 years ago and they just play it. And it could be an episode from last week. Yeah. you know, it does show that there's there are a lot of similarities there. So maybe it's not as different as I as I uh, as I like to think. <laughs> um, I will say though, like there's one on K-pop. I don't know if either of you have heard this, but it's very relevant to our mutual education, which is as you know, journalism BA students. But it's basically <laughs> about K-pop and the media and the emergence of human interest stories within the media in Korea, and it's incredible like it's something that whenever I think about podcasts that I've really enjoyed it just leaps out at me I mean Radiolab frequently comes high on that list when I think back Mm -hmm. and I think what sticks in my memory and it's you know there's tons of Radiolab stories in there but that one is incredible I did I should say as well because I haven't yet the colours one was amazing and that choir bit was absolutely (laughs) genius and I think such an incredible way of as you said like finding a way of conveying a visual concept within the audio medium so like yeah top banana 
Um, and that brings it around to me. Yay! Um, <laughs> I don't know why I was so like, yeah. It's not, you know, I don't usually introduce myself Whoop like that. fucking do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whoopty fucking do. No, this is something I am excited about because uh, this is a podcast that I will happily admit that I sent to you both long before we scheduled this episode. Um, in fact, I think I sent it to you both pretty much after I'd listened to the first time I'd listened to an episode of it. So it's called Switched on Pop um, and it's a podcast about the making and meaning of popular music um, and it's hosted by a musicologist whose name is Nate Sloan and a songwriter called Charlie Harding who are friends. Um, I think they used to play in bands together and then they now live in different parts of America. Um, so they get together um, usually over calls. They've done a couple of live episodes but they make a point of saying that they, most of their stuff is over calls which is amazing because they do a very good job of not referencing it apart from on their website where they reference it um but in the <laughs> podcast itself you, you just would you wouldn't know and especially when they start playing uh little bits on the piano to each other and stuff like that um i think that the rapport is is very good for two people who are in different parts of the country anyway they get together and they and they pick apart songs pop songs in particular um and every uh, and it can vary some 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 episodes it's a single a single track it's a single title um and then in other episodes they will Uh, string together maybe two songs sometimes three and and so on and so forth and in this this particular episode it's kind of like a bit of a bait and switch because they start talking about a single song and then very very soon they relate it to another song and they and and you suddenly realize that these two songs despite being by different people and in different eras are are scarily similar and what's consistent about all of these episodes you know regardless of how many songs they're looking at is just how brilliant they are at their analysis um and i have to say that i don't necessarily always enjoy certain parts of it like i find some of the lyrical analysis they do a little bit kind of like ah yeah you could think that couldn't you um but (laughs) uh, you know and and i'd be interested to see what you guys think about this later on i'm sure we'll get onto this as as you know performers and 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 musicians yourselves and songwriters yourselves but me personally i when i listen to music i over lyrics i enjoy um uh, arrangement and production a lot more and i i love how much detail they go into those things and how much how much into the weeds they get with songwriting and 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 the musicality of these songs and the lyrics as well to be fair and um they just you know they go into a level of detail that i think you know my appetite for this was kind of wet by song exploder um which is obviously we've we've covered it before on one of our earlier episodes where where musicians go and talk about their own music but they approach that in different ways and i think what's nice about uh switch on pop is that it goes into it in a very meticulous detail that's consistent across every episode i have yet to listen to an episode where they've not gone into a level of detail that's incredibly satisfying <laughs> so this this episode in particular um is about the the song bad liar by selena gomez i won't go into huge huge detail about it but um it's it's it is a good song and um i I remember listening to it quite a lot in the summer just from it being on the radio as i was driving around but what 
I think they do an amazing job of it is beyond going into the song in detail, which is which is really well done, is they look at her influences. And um, please correct me if I get any of this wrong at any point. But like, uh, as far as I remember, the, the, the song was, was written, co-written by uh, Julia Michaels. And they both have a mutual love for Talking Heads. And basically what happens is throughout the kind of course of the episode, they show how the kind of relationship and the similarities and the differences as well, but mainly the similarities that Bad Liar has with um, Psycho Killer by Talking Heads. And I, th- I think it's I think it's just brilliant. And I, I, it's just it's one of those kind of like those moments where someone tells you something and you go, what? Yeah. What? And then <laughs> and then like someone explains it to you and you're just your mind is slightly blown by the whole situation. And I'm I'm well aware that like you know, and um, Dan, you, I'm sure you'll get onto this, um, or I'm sure you'll be able to get onto this, which is that you know pop music thrives off taking something old and making it new again, and that is what happens in pop music. And you know everything is is borrowed and nothing's entirely original. Everything's a remix. But I think this does such a good job of showing that in in bare and brilliant detail. So with that, Dan, what did you think? I. Love Switched on Pop uh, is what I'll start with there. I think this podcast is brilliant and I can't thank you enough, Freddie, for having recommended it and then for bringing it up on the episode of Episode Party that I was going to be on. Um, it's, <laughs> it's such a dream. Uh, this it, It's so good. And actually, interestingly, when I first listened to Switched on Pop, I didn't, I didn't love it straight away and I thought that it was a little too conversational. Uh, I'm sure you can tell by my choice of podcast that I'm not <laughs> into the really long-winded-y, conversation-y uh, right. podcast. But I am a big fan of Episode Party, though, even though. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's just, it didn't grab me straight away. And then um, I just kept listening and I kept listening. And, uh, and this was to a different episode, in fact, when I first started listening to it. And suddenly I was like, it just clicked. And I thought, these guys are geniuses and they're just so good at, like like Freddie says they're so good at dissecting these songs they go into such wonderful detail but they're also really excellent podcasters everything is is funny everything is is engaging um, and I didn't know that they didn't uh, record it together no. and I'm mind right. blown that those guys are recording that podcast in different rooms or you know over a telephone line or a Skype call because yeah. it is so there's such a perfect flow to it they never interrupt each other and I'm sure they can do a, f- a fair bit of editing and post-production but it doesn't feel over edited and it yeah. certainly doesn't feel like they're it doesn't feel like they're on a call and that's that's even it's even more impressive to know that um, I thought this episode was amazing and I thought the dissection of the song um, was was beautiful I think uh, and they, they talk a lot about Selena Gomez actually and they seem to be really big fans of hers there's at least another episode if not more than one where they just dissect a Selena Gomez song and they, they this was just a perfectly told story um, and like you say Freddie they they had worked out essentially that the baseline was was sampled from psycho killer and then they took it even further and and they yes it was all the differences and similarities but the differences in the two songs um they've they've told us at least in theory um were actually uh selena gomez and her co-writer turning all of the elements of psycho killer on their head and yes. placing them back into the song which i just <laughs> thought was it's it is like like Freddie, it is a what moment it's it's a mind blower and and then they played in little snippets and it's just so perfect and i think one of the lovely things that these guys do um and i'm i think it's i'm not sure which one of them whether it's charlie or nate who plays the little keyboard bits or maybe it's both um but they they dissect the song and they don't just play back sections of the song uh they they 
they literally play little melodies on the keyboard and the, the piano and they, they're telling you the, these tiny little microscopic parts of the songs um, and breaking them down as, as, as much as they can possibly be broken down which is amazing you know particularly as Freddie says uh, I am a songwriter and, and I am essentially a pop songwriter and podcasts like this are fantastic I too am a huge fan of Song Exploder but that podcast is created in a totally different way it's interviewing the original creator of the song there isn't so much hypothesizing we hear just the production background and a little bit of writing stuff but these guys are so insightful and i think freddie you'd say there that you know sometimes you do go well you could you could think that <laughs> and i i have to say a couple of times I've, I've listened to quite a lot of um, episodes of this podcast now and there are moments where i go oh I think you're making that bit up. I definitely think you're making that bit up. But then, in fact, in this episode, whenever they were talking about, um, one of them had, had suggested that that uh, the two writers of the song were in fact Talking Heads fans, and the other one said, "Is that just? I mean, is that just hearsay? Are you just?" And he says, "No, no, here it is." And he and he gets up the website, obviously, on the on the on, you know in front of him, and he and he reads it out of whatever uh, news article this this quote was in, and you suddenly mm. realize, actually, no, I think they do way more research than they let on. You know, it it's yeah. not presented yeah. in a sort of radio lab way as research. Which didn't go off and and find this you know this information and then dissect it for you. they they pitch it as if they're just you know it's like two friends having a coffee saying how do you think they wrote this song you know and i that's why i love this podcast it, it, it feels like a conversation and it feels like you're just sitting beside them enjoying the conversation um and it's presented so well and i, I just love it i love the insight there's another wonderful episode about musical architecture um and i don't want to go too far off the episode that we're talking about but yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's, an, yeah. it's an episode about charlie puth and heim and mm. there's two artists that I couldn't imagine being on two completely different ends of the pop spectrum. You know, they they, they probably have very few uh, mutual listeners. And they, they dissect these two songs and they show you everything that they've done that's similar. And it's 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 interesting, particularly as a songwriter and a, a musician, it's sometimes a little depressing because you realize just how paint by numbers this whole business is. <laughs> um, but at the same time, that's really encouraging because, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an inspirational podcast. You know, if, you're, if you are a musician or a songwriter um, or a budding one, this is a great podcast to listen to to learn a bit about it you know and I think that's these are some of the ones this podcast that I'm currently seeking out I really enjoy listening to these podcasts that dissect the things that I'm really doing you know and and the, the ones that i can actually learn something from but this these guys are just good they're just they've nailed it you know and i don't know how long this has been running for and it's totally new to me so it feels like it's a new podcast so I, I don't want to speak out of turn and say that it is relatively new or whatever but it feels like they're doing something different um they've nailed the conversational tone without making it feel long-winded or airy-fairy um and i i just i really appreciate it and i think this is an excellent choice jack what what do you think yeah so yeah you recommended this to me as well way back and then the first episode i picked out was um was called justin bieber's existential suite um (laughs) which (laughs) i picked out myself because i'd actually been listening to bieber's purpose record and so i thought I can go into this and actually understand um, I've already got a basis for what I think about these songs let's see where they go with this and I was sceptical because I think there is this thing within music journalism or some fragments of it where there's this overreaching into pop music or this over sort of justification of the profound depth of pop music which I think sometimes is completely legitimised and sometimes is well overreaching but 
then again, I mean, overreaching into music and over-articulating it is something that, I mean, people in glass houses, I can't really, you know, have too much <laughs> of a go. Um, but the, uh, basically, so so I listened to that episode and, and, and they pick out two songs in particular where Justin Bieber seems to be dealing with, like, quite existential themes. And they draw some thematic links between them. And I found it actually... I was just sold by the end of the episode. And I thought, you know what? There are moments where they do overreach. And I think they treat those moments with humour and sort of a self-awareness. Where there's even moments where they laugh. And I think the laugh means, like, how the fuck do we end up here? And so I think <laughs> they know that there's this... What, what's great is that they don't have the songwriters on. Because then they can go way further than they could do had the person been present to shut it all down. <laughs> Yes, so yes. yeah, absolutely. Just as we've like spoke about with reasonably sound last week, it's people who are just uh, they almost spiraling out of control with their analysis and an analysis upon analysis of of what they're thinking of this music. And this episode, the Selena Gomez one that you recommended, Fred's was just like that sealed the deal for me. This is wicked. I'd not <laughs> heard this song before, um, so my first exposure to it was through this very extensive dissection of why it's great. Um, right. And I, I can't wait to... Uh, I haven't had a chance to sit down since and listen to the song all the way through, but I can't freaking wait. I mean, uh, they... Uh, as you say, they're huge Selena Gomez fans, but, you know, on the basis of this, I can totally see why. I mean, their uh, lyrical and musical analysis on this is really interesting, and they talk about basically how the musical structures are almost analogous to Selena Gomez's subconscious, and it's a song about being in love with someone and trying to forget them and trying to move on and the way that the vocal delivery is is pitched is is done in such a way like her mind is still racing about this person but the, it's kind of stuff that you know if you listen to the song on the radio you'd be like huh catchy tune and you you know you'd enjoy it and um but there is this so basically you're <laughs> i'm just gonna basically uh do yeah mark maron monologue about what i think about <laughs> pop music as i go back and forth but no there there is this thing where um you don't think about pop music in the same terms as you do niche music i saw in an interview the switched on pop guys uh, spoke about the fact that you know pop music does get overlooked for this um the depth that is actually within it and you know these producers aren't just all getting together to produce the thing that's gonna you know end up with the most dollar bags being sent their way at the end of it like there, there is artistry in there because i think they realize that whether it's conscious or subconscious people do want a little bit of substance you know with their yeah. with with their grooves and with their hooks um What's interesting about that, though, Jack, is on the on the flip side of that, they don't shy away from criticizing songs, which I really enjoy. That there's, um, I, and I was thinking about it just as you were saying it, and I, I looked it up. But there's the episode sixty two, which is um, it's titled DJ Khaled <laughs> and the One Six Four Five. I was going to um, bring that which one is, up. Yeah. Which, which, like, they spend at least the first five minutes saying how bad it is as a song, like how, <laughs> and, and I think you know the the, the description here just says, despite the star power present, the resulting track is less than the some of its parts repetitive derivative and uninventive and i love that they are straight away you know i think they say on the track it just sounds so much like everyone's phoned in their solos in it like and it's so true and but i love the fact that they uh one are critical of songs where they need to be because as much as there's some brilliant pop music there's some also real shit pop music um <laughs> but two that they don't just 
pick apart the genius, like the altogether genius songs. You know, the thing about the DJ Khaled one is that like the I'm the one isn't a good song, and and they they say that, but they say the reason why you like it so much is because of the you know because of the chord sequence yeah and and that and that's and that, and that's what makes it good but that's the only thing that makes it good and they're very clear about the fact that they answer that question that always comes out about pop music as particularly bad pop music which is this track is terrible but why have i still got it in my head and they yeah. do such a brilliant job of it and i love that well well do you know what that's a, i really wanted to bring up that episode as well like good shout because you're right they don't go every single song is great and there is merit within every song if you just listen what is wonderful about that episode is they go okay here's a song it's shit let's dissect what's going on with this song it's wielding a tool which is you know used within pop music as you say which is that you know one six four five chord pattern and then actually Mm. that episode for me almost started to slump towards music theory when he started going through these chords over and over again and basically dissecting what's going on as you're Um, embarking on this journey of tonal harmony but there was a big payoff in the fact where they talked about the fact that that chord sequence was this alternation of feeling like you're home and resolved and being away and 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 that's how that chord progression works and then they said and the problem with i'm the one is it doesn't use that sensation of being home and then going away and coming back and going again in any other way that's like you know thematically interesting like the actual lyrics of the song are all about the one <laughs> like it, which is <laughs> yeah. beautiful as soon as they said it, you're like oh that is so sweet because you know it is that they, they basically even though they're using this chord progression they never really, truly, you know, deeply leave that first chord. I think from it's a perfect podcast. This for someone like me, who is almost a bit of a granddad with all this, and then like pop music. What's it all about? I like some <laughs> of it. Some of it I'm indifferent to. But to be honest, I do find it hard to pull it all apart. And what's great about this is that they go, okay, so a lot of it is similar and here's why, but here's why that there's so much virtue and so much of it that's going to go over your head otherwise. So, um, yeah, yeah proper good podcast <laughs> which is interesting that you say that jack because on the opposite end of the spectrum you've got daniel duke award-winning singer-songwriter <laughs> who unashamedly <laughs> writes a lot of pop songs um and so it's interesting to know that it appeals to everyone on that end of the spectrum yeah um how how much of it to you dan was was obvious and how much of it to you was like Wow, never thought of that before. <laughs> well, I think it's the thing, and I know that, you know, I, I profess to writing pop, but it's not this kind of pop, and it's, you know, I know they, sure. they dissect lots of different things, but I totally agree with Jack that it's, you know, I don't listen to, to I guess I listen to pop, their music on a day-to-day basis, but I certainly don't listen to the top 40, and I think that is yeah. often, or it's the Billboard top 100s, that's the kind of music they're dissecting here very often. Um, and I think from that same perspective, it's it's really fascinating to for music that I would normally completely, you know, pass off as a perfectly catchy tune and a really well-written hook, um, and that's it. Um, and to hear someone say, no, actually, the, you know, they were actually, you know, the Selena Gomez episode that Freddie suggested is mind-blowingly detailed. And like Jack yeah. said, yeah. 
they're talking about her use of language and the use of like things like the word serpentine that she says and they absolutely love it and it's one of the things that I love about the podcast is they're so passionate about the things that they like um, but they are not afraid like like you guys have both brought up to knock the things that they, they don't enjoy and, and in the Charlie Puth episode uh, for example they're actually loath to almost talk about him in any endearing way to begin with and then they start right. dissecting the song and they discover that they do actually like the, they get it and they enjoy it <laughs> and at the beginning they're kind of a bit they're a bit skeptical about thinking about Charlie Puth as a good songwriter and it's really interesting but uh, the you know the detail that they go into you know and although I would sit and and uh, I've had conversations with plenty of people that I songwrite with about pop music and and about writing pop music and you know the the kind of callous aspect of it that it's it, it is paint by numbers and 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 about the theory behind it and, and how to write a good pop song you know I, I haven't really ever delved into it in the depth um, simply just because of lack of understanding I think mostly uh, that these guys do uh, and that's why I think I really enjoy switched on pop but I think I just yeah. it, they're genuinely their passion is is contagious you and it makes you excited about what they're talking about and uh, and the you know the detail is just endless so you, you any episode you could pick any episode from that that uh, the, the podcast stream and and you, you would you would enjoy it and you'd you'd learn yeah. something new and you'd you know hear a song in a different way and i think that's that's really cool yeah so i guess i guess a question to both of you then is that i wonder as as both kind of musicians who have r- records that you've both put out i wonder how much of it y- you genuinely believe is deliberate in this songwriting and arrangement and composition and and how much of it you think is you know i think it's like it's the thing with like conspiracy theories of films like like the pixar theory do you know what i mean like yeah. how much of that is planted how much of that is a deliberate uh step in the creation by the artist and how much of it is well you know what you, you can you can find all sorts of things if you go looking for them but it doesn't mean that they were necessarily intended on being there <laughs> so I, th- I it uh, it depends like I can't say from the perspective of someone who writes pop music um but from the perspective of someone who writes quite abstract music I know that the rationale is you know quite abstract and sorry to sound like a little you know doobie smoking <laughs> hippie face but it's all about feeling man you know it's like it it, it there's very very li- few times where um you can draw this really visceral and immediate link between i did this because of this but then again i don't know like as a pop songwriter perhaps that's something that actually is utilized a bit more readily and and to be honest it's among my favorite things to find out about music is that there is you know something like tucked within a track which is very consciously put there as a nod to this or <laughs> in order to achieve this i think it's so interesting but it's certainly something that you know when i create my music uh, basically all my music these days is just buzzy hums um <laughs> <laughs> so there's no what do you mean these days <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right um it's been longer than i realized um but yeah so very little rationale but um god this is partly why i love the podcast you know dan what do you reckon coming uh you know at it from the opposite end of the music spectrum and i do want to turn your your podcast podcast into a, a songwriting podcast uh, but i am fresh off the back of a two-day songwriting workshop that i, I was running at the beginning of the week um and uh, you know f- for me freddie like just to answer your question it, honestly it's probably 50 50 um for the kind of music that i write in the way that i write 
Um, and the fact that I write, I write with my brother and, and we almost exclusively write together. I'd say the first 50% comes straight from the heart. That's the bit that I feel when I pick up the instrument, or, you know, and I sing it out loud and I do that bit. And I, that bit is not conscious or subconscious or however you want to describe it. I mean, I'm sure on some level I'm consciously writing it. Um, but right. there is a bit afterwards. And I think this is the bit that Switched On Pop, Neil, is that you do, you sit down and you dissect it and you think about it and you, you know, and it's not, you know, it's not often in a callous way that you're going, okay, we really want this you know this needs to be we need to nail this hook and it's going to be it's going to come in at x number of decibels because that's the one or this number of bpm because you know that's what's going to get people's heart racing in the car when they're driving down the road or in the club or whatever it happens to be not that my music appears in clubs very often um <laughs> but it's uh you know there is a there is a conscious aspect to it for us um and i think really for me again not to turn your podcast into a songwriting podcast it's something that's happened in the last few years and it's from listening to things like song exploder and from listening to things like switched on pop and from from being more educated by all this wonderful content that people are producing about an industry that normally we don't get any in, insight into, you know, and I think that's what's crucial about a lot of these new podcasts is we don't really think about it or we don't get to talk about it or we don't hear about it. From listening to all these things and reading all these things, uh, I've become more of a conscious songwriter and certainly more of a conscious producer. So when it comes to that second half of the story from putting the song that's on paper onto a record and then releasing it, there is definitely some decisions that are being made there that, you know, might seem you know at the end of the day like it was just a you know pure chance um but we did think about it you know or we did we did certainly consider the the result of doing something in particular or putting a certain sound underneath a track or or changing a lyric in a certain way um and and I, I, from the perspective of someone who recently signed a publishing deal and is now writing music like to a brief that is totally something new to me and that is it you, you realize that that's kind of how the how the songwriting world works you know there's you're not allowed to do certain things and you are allowed to do other things and you're encouraged to do some things and, and totally discouraged, you know, in another way. Um, so I'm, you know, for me, this podcast is really interesting because I am now at that stage in my career where I'm doing that, you know, and I'm writing like that. So I think that's probably why I love it even more. Yeah, just in case you get picked up by Switched On Pop. <laughs> You know, it's good to have this stuff <laughs> in there already. Yeah, you've got to exactly, look like yeah. you really, really thought about it. Um, interestingly enough, and, and just to tie this off in like a, a lovely little bow, but like I think you'll both appreciate um, if you haven't listened to it already. I don't know how far you got through Dan, but I know I know Jack, you've you've heard it. But the the moment in the uh, Mark Maron podcast where he's talking to Lord and she admits that Royals was all composed and produced and recorded um, on a suite of uh, cracked Pro Tools plugins. I just thought. <laughs> I, I like I liked that that was uh, I like that she admitted that and she was like yeah we won the Grammy with that like yeah, it's, uh, it's um, yeah so you know so, you know songwriting by any means and not always legal <laughs> means and uh, but what they're gonna do now what they're gonna do is Lord um, so uh, yeah I thought we'd appreciate that well. I think that just about covers us for this episode. It's been it's been a great one. So, Daniel, thank you very much for coming on and uh, being a part of Episode Party with us. If people want to find you, listen to your music or whatever else, wh- where would they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter, uh, at IamDanDuke. Uh, they can find my music everywhere that you can buy music. Uh, just Daniel Duke. That's the, the name to search for. Some real good SEO, so hopefully they'll be able to discover me. <laughs> Uh, but guys, it's been an it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, it's been a real treat getting to speak to you about this stuff. Hey, brilliant! Thank you. Thanks very much. Right, we'll see you next episode. Goodbye. Bye. I'll, I'll cut out the bye that I did because I went to go <laughs> say bye. <laughs>
Hi, it's Jack again. Thank you so much for listening to Episode Party. If you've been enjoying the show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. It would mean a lot. Thank you so much. Goodbye.